Welcome to Central Queensland Region's Leading and Learning Podcast. These are informal conversations between leaders about educational issues and initiatives. We share them to inspire and inform you so that you may have a greater influence through your instructional leadership. Hi, it's Trudy here. Hey, before we get into the episode, I just wanted to jump on and explain that this podcast recording was done about a fortnight ago with Preston Parter from Eidsvold State School and we talk about the Showcase Awards. Well, the fantastic news is that Eidsvold State School were awarded the Queensland Teachers Union Showcase Award for Excellence in Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander Education last Friday. So I just wanted to do a shout out to Preston and the whole team at Eidsvold and congratulate them on this award and their recognition, which is so rightly deserved. And I also want to explain that there's a bit of feedback in the recording because Preston and I did this over Microsoft Teams. So bear with that. It's really worth a listen. And I hope you enjoyed this episode of the podcast when I talked to Preston Parter from Eidsvold State School. I acknowledge the traditional custodians of the land across central Queensland on which we play, learn and work. I respect and honour Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander elders past, present and emerging. I extend that respect to Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander educators listening. I recognise the stories, traditions and living cultures of Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander peoples on this land and commit to building a brighter future together. Hi, I'm Trudy Graham, your host for the show. I'm an Assistant Regional Director in Central Queensland, based in Rockhampton. And today, I'm really excited to be talking with Preston Parter, Principal at Eidsvold State School. How are you, Preston? Yeah, feeling great. Thanks, Trudy. And and let's do the one-word barometer and the conversation starter. So, um, one word, how are you feeling? And the conversation starter, Preston, who are you when you aren't at home? <laughs> yeah, uh, uh, my one word barometer is solid, feeling really solid at the moment. Uh, it's, I just love that word for, you know, when you have a bit of a check in and you're feeling really good about yourself. So it's been a great year. So uh, yeah, solid's my one word barometer. Um, and who am I when I'm not at home? Well. <laughs> Um, at home, I've actually got four kids, so um, at home it's quite busy. So I'm a I'm a I'm a really busy daddy at home, and a busy husband. But um, yeah, when I'm not at home, principal of Eidsvold School, um, and also um, the coach of the boxing club in Eidsvold, and um, I'm an honorary ambulance officer in Eidsvold as well. So sort of busy in the community and busy at home. Yeah, just just love our community. So. <laughs> That's awesome, and I've just learned some things that I didn't know. So, wow, boxing club in Eidsvold. I yeah. could, we could do a whole podcast episode around that, Preston. Yeah, a few stories around that one. Um, it, it wasn't sort of running for a few years, and Eidsvold's got a long boxing history, so sort of stepping into that role was um, exciting. And then uh, not last year, the year before, I jumped in Brophy's boxing tan <laughs> and um, sort of trained myself up for that. So. <laughs> Yeah, I got a fair flogging, but um, yeah, still something, you know. <laughs> That's very brave of you. 
Well, mine's probably the reverse because I'm now an empty nester, so it's very quiet for me at home. And everyone knows what I do for work, so I guess very busy, but also spend a lot of time travelling this great region of ours. And on the personal interest front, now everyone don't choke on your coffee, but I do spend Saturday afternoon at the Rockhampton Embroiderers Guild and I love it. I have just learnt things about embroidery that I just never knew even existed and it's people study embroidery, seriously get degrees and PhDs in it and it's a whole other world and yeah, it's lovely to tap into that knowledge that older people in our community have and are only too willing to share. So thanks for the great, great conversation great. starter. So Preston, I'm really looking forward to this conversation and it was prompted because I was talking to Sam Howard about what they're doing at Gracemere State School and that was a previous episode, of course, and Sam mentioned about the work at Eidsvold and how that influenced what they're doing at Gracemere and I thought it was only fitting that we have a chat with you to find out about the work at Eidsvold because it was recognised with Showcase. So let's get started. What can you tell us about what you're doing in your school? Cool. Yeah, I could talk about it forever. Well, five years ago, almost to the day actually, I ended up at Eidsvold and the previous principal, I came here as the DP, uh, the previous principal sort of was telling me about the school. I was on a cattle station school, as you know, out at Lockington and um, I, I was happy to stay there. <laughs> she was talking about sort of the school and getting someone in to work with community and I, I wasn't really sold on it and then right at the end of the phone conversation she sort of said, um, oh, I'm looking at doing an Indigenous language program and I went, oh, okay, you know, so that sort of pricked my ears up and I, I couldn't sleep that night. I was just going over in my head what sort of a language revival program would look like and um, I ended up, yeah, taking the job here five years ago and um, coming in and sort of thinking, oh, well, I'll get this language revived using, you know, the community, but no, no community members speak Waka Waka, so sort of the last five years has just been a massive language revival project within the school and within our community, and now it's um, within five other cluster schools in the Waka Waka language region, so... It's been huge, um, a lot of work, but really exciting work. It's just been an, an amazing journey. But yeah, starting off, we just had nothing. We started from the ground up, no speakers, no sort of, we had resources, but we had to sift through them, work with a linguist. Sort of our showcase this year, which we're state finalists um, with Caboolture High, who are doing awesome things as well. We've sort of looked at that journey around language and supporting a big cluster of schools that are, want to do Indigenous language. Well, 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 first of all, congratulations on being uh, state finalists. And uh, I'm sure you can't wait to hear the results of that. And regardless of the results, you know, your school deserves the recognition. And Preston, as you were speaking, I'm just like... How do you even start to revive a language where you have no speakers? So, you know, take us back. How did you start this? So the very first thing we needed was obviously we had no knowledge of how to revive language. I, I, I sort of um, explain it to people like you're learning Japanese, but 
you don't have anybody that speaks Japanese, it hasn't been written down, and you sort of just know of it. So it's really sort of difficult. What we did was we hired a linguist. We, we got a, a grant to hire a linguist, and she was in, in Melbourne, but was really keen to come up and work with our community. And through working with her, so she would come up once a term and look through the resources that we had, because there was a lot of dictionaries and bits and pieces that people have put together. But she found um, the resource that we used was from a linguist that travelled through sort of in the 60s, 70s and 80s, sort of. It was the kind of the most complete resource that we could use. Uh, and then we worked with this linguist and we came up with head, shoulders, knees and toes using this resource. And we taught all our littlies how to sing head, shoulders, knees and toes in Waka. And then... Uh, they loved it so much, but it took sort of a bit of work to do it because we had to learn the pronunciation and how it was written. Basically, from there, we started grouping words. So the next thing we did was we grouped animal words, uh, and then we taught them Old MacDonald had a farm, and we used the Waka Waka animal names. And then we grouped family members, and then we grouped geography words, and then we grouped commands. And this is across a couple of years. And so we found out that we had um, this big group of words. Yeah, so then we started offering um, classes where we put it into our school through a program we call Yumbin, which is all of us. It means all of us in um, Waka Waka. And then so that was just 15 minutes each morning where we were giving all of our P-12s a rotation of Waka Waka language. And then... We started with a P to two class, and then we extended it to a three, four, and then a five, six the next year. And now we do a full P to 10 curriculum in Waka. Yeah, so, so across sort of five years, we've, we've just gone sort of from strength to strength. And um, we got to a point probably a year and a half ago where we couldn't group words anymore. We could, we got to a point where we just couldn't keep grouping words. So what we did was we started looking at the language structure of Waka Waka, so looking at suffixes and sentence structure and all of you know that really technical stuff, which was super, super hard because it's a free-form language, which means you can basically put anything anywhere and um, depending on the tags in the, in the language, it depends on what the meaning is. So we had to sort of work all that out. <laughs> So, um, yeah, across five years, it's just been massive, just a massive, massive project and sort of in my in my own time, like driving between place to place or uh, I'm just thinking in my head what the next step is and how we're going to get a fluent speaker one day um, of Waka Waka language. Mm. Uh, could you be the first speaker uh, with the revitalised language? Because you sound like you're immersing yourself in this language learning experience. Yeah, I've got I've got a Waka Waka follow here, Corey Apo. He's my he's my offsider. I should say I'm his offsider because he's that deadly. Um, he's my dance and culture teacher. So we've teamed up. We teamed up with him sort of four years ago. We we brought him into the school and um, he started the language journey with us. He will be, I honestly believe, the first Waka Waka fluent speaker, and it could be in 20 years' time, but I, I strongly believe he will be. He's He's got that twang now. He's starting to really sort of 
get it now. So, yeah, he's really deadly. So he does a lot of dance. He's coming up with his own songs now and the, and the students are learning his songs and I, I reckon it won't be long. <laughs> um, your passion for this is just so evident to, and clearly uh, Corey's as well. But what's the response been like from the students? Uh, yeah, like awesome. The the students love it. We we combine language with culture, so a lot of the stories that. So I'm not Waka Waka. I'm Viri Gubba from North Queensland. Um, so a lot of the stories and and that knowledge that's been passed down to me as well, combined with Corey and Annie Doris, our lo local elder that works at the school here. We sort of combine culture and language. So I think the students actually love sort of that language mixed with culture that um, really highlights what the meaning of language was back hundreds of years ago. So, yeah, the response has been awesome. And, you know, even the secondary kids or the high school kids that learn it, I thought they would be really slack about it because most languages I've ever been involved or at schools that I've seen languages taught at, they get that really slack shame factor but you know we combine it with dance and games and yeah at the moment actually we're, we're doing this amazing unit it's um, Minecraft um, so we've designed a unit where they can only use language in Minecraft and we start with pre-colonization Minecraft and then different language groups need to sort of build this world and there's rules and regulations and yes we've had a lot of fun creating units of work and but the students just, yeah, they, they eat it up. They only get sort of one 75-minute lesson a week, but they they sort of like rush down to that and, um, <laughs> and, yeah, so it's good. So positive. And the community response, Preston, tell me about that. Yeah, it, it was tricky at first. Um, so looking at me not being Waka Waka, you would think an Indigenous man coming into a community working on language might be okay, but um, yeah, it, it definitely wasn't. Like I had to uh, probably at least a year being in Irisfold, really spending a lot of time with elders and community members and, and earning that trust. And then they sort of were happy to let me drive that work. A lot of our work is done in consultation with them. Uh, and a lot of the big decisions made are, are through our language advisory group like lots of positive stuff so where we're sort of at at the moment with um mergen high and mergen primary and biggenden and even jinjin high school they're they're partnering up with us is we're working with them to form their language advisory groups and we're sort of telling them about the, the achievement through language and yeah so it, that's sort of never ending that work with the community and we definitely hear about it if we make a mistake the community up here are getting up us but yeah that's all part of the journey i think I'm truly fascinated, Preston, because as a non-Indigenous person, I could look at you and go, oh, you know, because of your Indigenous background, you would have an advantage in a, a community like Eidsvold, but clearly that's not the case and, in fact, can bring its own complications. So thanks for sharing that because you can have a perception that's clearly not reality. and. You've highlighted again how important those relationships and trust are in this kind of work. Yeah, 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 definitely pros and cons. Yeah, but it's all relational, and it's 
and to be honest, we had a, a non-Indigenous guy by the name of Lockie McKenzie. He came in as our English teacher and he was accepted by our community here um, to teach the language for a couple of years here. So I was sort of doing the curriculum development, you know, all that really fun stuff. And he was teaching the language and he's like this surfing from the sunny coast, long hair, you know, long blonde hair. And the community really accepted him. And um, that was a like a really beautiful partnership between him and myself and the and the language advisory group and Corey and that all just fitted really well. Yeah, he sort of got itchy feet and had to go and travel to Tasmania. So we've been a bit creative and he's still working as a consultant with us through the school. We we received a massive grant to keep the language stuff going and and so we still have that relationship with him down there. But yeah, it can be anyone. Like you know, it could be. If you're a relational person and you really have a passion like Lockie did um, around Indigenous language, if you're sort of accepted in that group, um, you can. There's there's parts you can play. I mean, you probably couldn't teach dance and um, and song, but you could definitely um, somehow be involved in the language program. Yeah. yeah, be a community connector. Bring those people in. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So who else is out there, Preston, to support this work and how do you find those people? Yeah, so at, just at the school we've got a little language team that we've um, we've built over the years uh, and we've been quite creative because we've taken on a couple of local people that we've taken them on as T-trades and then they've transitioned into the language work. So we have Arnie Doris on our team. She's She's the head of our team, I like to call her, because um, she's one of our local elders and um, she works in the front office here with me. Um, but she oversees sort of the community work. She takes the messages out. She's like, keeps us accountable. And then uh, I've got Corey who, he does the two days of language with me across the P to 10, but then he also works as a teacher aide on his other days. And then um, we've got Cassie. She's oh, she's actually on leave for a little bit at the moment, but she does translation and um, and research. Uh, she's a teacher aide, so when she doesn't have those two days of language, she is working in the classroom. And we've just sort of built our team like that. It just happened really well because um, we needed local people at the school, and they they had a really good skill set that we could get a hold of as well. And then, yeah, our language advisory group, that's made up of the local elders and also um, non-Indigenous elders um, that have been in here in this town for a long time. Yeah, other schools, a lot of support in Brisbane, like in head office. There's um, lots of people down there that there's a language team that are really keen to support this work to keep going as well. Yeah, and as I hear you talk about the team of people there within the school, I get a sense too that while they had a skill set, you were also building capability. So what have you done in that space? Uh, well, Corey's, Corey's the classic one. Like uh, he's become, he's basically a brother to me now because he came in and uh, at the time we were looking for local people to take on tea trade positions and we just couldn't find anybody. So I kind of pulled him in one day and I said, oh, Corey, do you, and I didn't even really know him that well, but I said, oh, do you want to be working with some of our boys up at the school and uh, just doing a bit of tea trade work? And he said, yeah, yeah. And I said, oh, we'll see you on Monday. And he goes, oh, you know, like, what do you want me to wear? And I said, oh, just, just wear some shoes. <laughs> shoes and whatever. 
And uh, he said, oh, I'll just volunteer for the week. And I said, no, no, we'll pay you. We'll pay you to come here. He goes, no, no, I'll just volunteer. And he just really wanted to be sort of part of this school. And then um, as we've kind of gone along, I've, I've taught him different aspects of teaching, you know, around behavior management and curriculum stuff. But then he's he's really brought it back to its roots around dance and culture and song. And so he, he's I've sort of upskilled him, but he's really um, he's really brought back a lot of memories for me around song and stuff up north, and that's been really nice. And now he like yeah he takes sort of half the lesson basically. Um, the way we've structured our lessons, it's building him up to his capability too. And I think not only being the first fluent speaker, but I reckon he'll be a teacher one day too, Trudy. I was just going to say, have you had the conversation about? Have you thought about being a teacher? Because, you know, we need more teachers, especially homegrown Central Queensland teachers. Uh, absolutely. And, and and Indigenous teachers, you know, like there's nothing like, um, you know, some of our young boys and, and the girls like looking up to some of um, our Indigenous local people and, and thinking, you know, I can do this as well. So, um, yeah, I've actually... Um, I've got a panel next week that I'm going to talking about community and Indigenous language teachers, so I'm hoping that something comes out of that, that we can somehow, yeah, get that happening. Yeah. Preston, as you talk, it's really fascinating to hear too about the non-Indigenous support. So you you mentioned non-Indigenous people sitting on your language advisory group. So... How else have non-Indigenous people been involved and, and how are they vital to the success of this program? It's a it's a, just a massive team effort. You know, we everything from timetabling in the office using our head of curriculum to, you know, everything that can make the language program work. With our non-Indigenous elders in the community, they tell us these stories and there was one story that we got told and we actually translated the story into Waka Waka language and gifted it back to them. And uh, and that was like a really lovely partnership um, that we could do that. At the school, we've built a team of people that really get it, that really understand that um, having a, we're sitting at about 65% Indigenous with our students, but um, they really understand that that cultural connection is important. And that happens through language and culture and having people here that they can look up to, that they can see themselves being. Uh, and so I've got this this amazing team. I'm like, I don't know how I'll ever leave this place because uh, I've built this team of just like high-performing, really relational people. <laughs> that, um, so, yeah, and, and we upskill our team around language as well and culture. We take our team out on country. Uh, we take them to um, for certain um, bits and pieces. So we take the men to do certain things with us and we run um, programs around um, building ditches and, and cutting coolamans and lots of different stuff. So, so yeah, we upskill our teachers too to help them understand that, you know, even though they're from the Sunshine Coast or Brisbane, um, this is sort of how this works out here. And it's, it's not forcing it on them. It's just, uh, look, you got this cool opportunity, have a go. Yeah. Preston, you're talking about the team around you and how they're, you know, highly capable and highly relational. That wouldn't have anything to do with your leadership by any chance. No, not at all. 
Your, your enthusiasm and passion for what you do is infectious and I am absolutely convinced that you attract those people and bring out the best in them and the impact for the kids is amazing. So, Yeah, it's funny that the sort of the spider web of um, who's who at this school is based on I know, you know, I know this guy from Mount Isa that I taught with, so and he had a mate that was really great and so we've sort of... Um, poached people from different schools that have just been the right fit and we've gotten to a point where we're just like okay this is great like this just works really well <laughs> and um but yeah it's it is like I, I probably yeah i'd say like i work pretty hard to um really spruik our school and um help people to understand how important this work is so i i hope so yeah yeah and finally preston getting better at language what does that lead to it leads to a lot of opportunities, I think, for our our students here. Uh, it leads to a really good cultural connection too, and I think that's what's missing, sort of generationally missing within Indigenous, um, sort of the last couple of generations, that's missing that real cultural connection. Um, with language, we've spoken about, we hope that somebody in primary school now will come through and take on a tourism sort of pathway where they, where they can, you know, do welcome the country so people coming through Eyeswald and they can show off these dances that they've learnt or, or even come up with in language or, you know, that at the moment we're doing a unit with our primary schoolers on trees around the local area in Waka Waka and their uses. So, you know, things like Gumby Gumby and, you know, like medicine trees and having that knowledge they can start an Indigenous business where they sell, you know, they somehow link that language in. So, oh, so many things, so many things. I'm just about to finish my Master's in Indigenous Language. I've been doing that through the University of Sydney. And what that sort of means to me now is I'm going to, when I finish my time here, is go up north back to my country and revive my language with everything I've learned here. So I'm hoping that not just our Waka Waka students here, but all of our sort of Indigenous students will somehow have a connection back to their language as well. So, yeah, I, don't, I, I want to flick forward like 20 years and see what's going on. Uh, you can't really do that, can you? Um, but uh, I'd love to flick forward 20 years and see where it's at. Wow. Yeah. But there's a really great um, documentary called Buckskin, and it's a documentary about a fella, a young guy that revives his language down in Adelaide. It took a long time. It's taken a long time. I would highly recommend it to anyone that's looking at Indigenous language because it is possible, like, He's reviving it at home with his his kids and his community, and it's just a really lovely documentary. So that's my recommendation. Yeah. Well, Preston, with your desire to go back to your home in North Queensland, but also I feel that you've got this really strong connection and don't want to leave Eidsfold, I would just suggest that you not leave it too far into the future before you head back north because it sounds like you've got some significant work to do there. There was a, there was a linguist that wrote a um, book in, I think it was 1996, um, called Biri, around our language in North Queensland. And I thought, oh, 1996, he's probably dead. 
and I've just recently got in contact with her and she's working in the University of Fiji or University of the South Pacific, I think, and she's willing to help me sort of along that. So I'm going to be juggling a few sort of balls at the moment, but um, I'm, I'm starting on my language wrong here anyway, so it'll be good. Well, Preston, thank you for sharing work that you've been involved in and led at Eidsvold and the language revival program there. Of course, you've listened to the podcast, so and you know that what we do is the fast five questions that aren't so fast. So, are you ready to play? I'm ready. <laughs> okay, let's go. Preston, when and where was your first teaching appointment? Uh, it was in Millaroo in North Queensland, so uh, west of Home Hill, and it was a two-teacher school, uh, just myself and the principal. Wow. Preston, when you think about your work, what was the last thing that made you smile? Uh, so this was, this is um, something that really made me smile this week. Um, I walked into the language room and I had um, some Year 10 students in there and I was about to chase them out, say, get back to class, but they're actually writing an acknowledgement in, um, in Waka Waka for our awards night. And, um, yeah, so they've sort of got that skill now to, to write it in Walker and uh, that really made me smile because they, they had it right on point. Yeah, that's that's just wonderful, isn't it? So cool. Yeah. You couldn't rouse at them. No, <laughs> can't do that. <laughs> What's your best book or film recommendation? Uh, I've, got, I've got two. Um, one I'm reading at the moment, it's not, not the best book, but it's uh, something really lovely. It's called Dear Son by Thomas Mayer, and it's um, First Nations Fathers' Letters to Their Sons. And uh, it's, got, it's got letters from people like Stan Grant and, um, and uh, Troy Cassadaly, and they write these really open, hard, you know, heart letters to their, to their boys. And I've been reading it to my sons. They're only sort of nine and seven at the moment, but it brought tears to my eyes. Just beautiful. Thank you for the great recommendation. And you had a second book? Yeah, it sounds like sort of brings me back to sort of country, but it's called The Last American Man uh, by Elizabeth Gilbert. And it's about um, Eustace Conway and he's a, He's uh, sort of a bit of a wild shade, just like moved out, um, moved out of home at, I think he was about 11 and he made a TV and lived off the country sort of his whole life. And it's just a book about him. And I always feel like if I, yeah, I always love that connection to country. So, um, yeah, it was a great, easy read too. Wow, I haven't heard about that one. So thank you. What's your favourite quote? Uh, it's a simple one. Uh, measure twice, cut once. Uh, just really, not. I'm a bit of a, I'm a bit of a spud too when it comes to building stuff. So I just have to slow myself down. But when it, when I'm kind of considering school stuff as well, I really sort of play that through my head a couple of times and then go for it. So measure twice, cut once. Yeah. Yeah, good one. Okay, now Preston, as far as things to see in CQ, what's our best kept secret? Uh, definitely Carnarvon Gorge. That's that's uh, just an abs absolutely beautiful. Been around a fair bit and travelled, and um, and that's just one place that you can go and go. This is just amazing. Uh, and some swimming holes in Eidsvold. There's some really good swimming spots here that um, that not many people know about. So if you ever get to Eidsvold, come down and see me, and I'll take you swimming. <laughs>
Well, what you may not know about me is I grew up in Mandubra, which is just down the road, and uh, I I probably were in some of those swimming spots when I'm about 10 years old. But, yeah, the, the swimming and water skiing around that part of our region is brilliant, isn't it? So thank you. And, and again, Preston, thanks for your time today. It's been great to catch up and, and talk with you. Yeah, it has been good to catch up, True. Thank you so much. And it's so good to yarn with you again. I miss sort of that being out west and having you as that support person. So uh, anytime you want to come down here, you're welcome. Yeah, thank you. And just so the listeners know what we're talking about, when Preston was at Lockington, uh, as principal there, I was ARD. We won't mention what year that was, Preston. <laughs> so if you have suggestions or recommendations for future episodes or you'd like to give us the gift of feedback, you can email us at cqcommunications at qed.qld.gov.au. If you have enjoyed the show, don't forget to subscribe in your favourite podcast app. You'll find it on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher and Deezer. And if you know of an educational leader in central Queensland who may also enjoy listening to the conversations, please help us spread the word by telling them about the podcast or forwarding the email that comes each fortnight with the show notes. Thanks, Preston. Thanks, Rude. Thank you for listening to Central Queensland Region's Reading and Learning Podcast. We trust this conversation has given you the information and inspiration to lead so that every student in our region succeeds.